Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast, the Rockies affiliate of SB Nation. I am your host, Skylar Timmons, and I've been reunited with my fabulous crew, uh, Evan Lang. Good January 14th, everybody. And our good friend, Mac Wilcox. You know, if you date the podcast and it comes out late, brother, then they're going to know that we record these things months in advance. I'm just saying. It's not man. gonna be late. <laughs> Way to have faith in me. January fourteenth of what year? You didn't say. So we're on so we're fine then. We're gravy. Twenty four eighty three. There it is. Timeless at that point. <laughs> and it's just not the three of us. Today we have a very special guest. First time during our tenure, it's Purple Rose very own editor in chief, Sam Bradfield. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Hey Skylar, thanks for having me, everybody. Mm. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, and if, if you're longtime fans of the show, you'll know Mac is usually our host, uh, but shaking things up. First episode of the new year, thought I'd throw my hat into the ring and give give this a shot. So we got a great show lined up for you today. We'll talk Rocks news, what's going on with the team, also a little bit of what's going on in the baseball world with the lockout, a couple of cool announcements and things happening in the world of sports. So should be a good time of it. But just wanted to ask, what have you guys been up to? It's been a little while since we've recorded. We've had some holidays. What have you been up to? What's been keeping you going uh, since last time we've recorded? Not much. Uh, yeah, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm lame, man. No, I just, you know, we've been running uh, some wrestling shows, and that's pretty much it. My last Smash Bros. Hanging out, waiting for baseball season to start back up, man. That's about it. Lockouts make for slow off seasons, for sure. And all I've been doing is, uh, you know, working too much, just like usual. 
and watching a lot of other sports keep the keep the sports brain fresh mm-hmm. uh, Colorado Avalanche are doing really well this year Denver Nuggets are a little hit or miss but Nikola Jokic still looking like an MVP and uh my very own Green Bay Packers the number one seed in the NFC while the Chicago Bears had to fire their coach and GM podcast, bro it's not that kind of time we're having here man I ain't asked for this <laughs> I ain't asked for this at all <laughs> you ain't asked Sam, for it, what are you, you doing got please it. change subjects well i've seen you know we had our kind of winter break did some travel went to chicago to see some family and then came back saw some nuggets games saw a couple of shows did lion king um and saw potted potter at the university of denver newman center which was super hilarious if you haven't seen it i don't think i've laughed for 75 minutes straight in a long time um and then other than that, you know, started classes at CU Boulder this past Monday, January 10th. And so getting that semester yeah. rolling. Um, so, yeah. Hell fun, yeah. fun. I know, for me, it's mostly just been hanging out at home, playing a lot yep. of MLB The Show, uh, a lot of binge watching, a lot of stuff, and watching movies, whatever I can. So, What are you binge I, watching, Skyler? Uh, I finished up Always Sunny Great in show. Philadelphia. Uh, I'm currently finishing up the – 90s Spider-Man cartoon that I grew up Mm -hmm. watching. Uh, And then I'm currently on the lookout for another show. So I'll be hunting through Disney Plus and all that good stuff. So Uh, if I can, if I can shill a show that you should watch, uh, I have been watching so much on Netflix of the great British baking show. Yes. It is so (laughs) chill. Like it's not. I don't necessarily use it as background noise because I'm usually paying attention, but it's great to have on while I'm doing other stuff. It's just so nice. Everybody, yeah, everybody's super nice to each other. It's like it's a competition show where all the comp- all the competitors are like super supportive and nice to one another. It's a nice change of pace. Yeah, it's and just and all the food so nice. looks so good. Dude, we took inspiration. So we made. I will say the other project we took on. We did do a lot of baking over <laughs> over winter and made a full gingerbread house which we're still working <laughs> our way through one slab at a time eating all of the gingerbread um but it was so funny we did all like a bunch of cooking and baking and my partner at one point was like you know my mom is really into hgtv and uh does a bunch of stuff with their house and he's like and you're like my mom but with baking in the sense that you see something on tv and you're like oh we should bake something and then it's like hit or miss but (laughs) (laughs) you know made a gingerbread house and it was really good and did some like sandwich cookies like we did a lot of baking and it's been a lot of fun and i have the great british baking show (laughs) for that to thank for that (laughs) yeah i grew up in a house where we watch way too much food network so i'm Mm. over baking shows and stuff sure Uh, totally fair real quick the Amazing Race started up again. Oh, nice. Ooh, that's a good one, too. And it's hilarious every time I watch it. Uh, also infuriating because you just want to yell at the people. But the new season started. It, nice. It's, it's good stuff so far. So, anyway. You know, I've never been big on reality shows. That's a good one, though. I, I guess. I just, I don't know. Not really, my, not really my jam. Maybe I'll try it out at some point. But you know what I would love to watch is... Can we get like a baseball version of Hard Knocks? Oh, there you go. Who would your be, who would be your Hard Knocks this year, Evan? Fire. Uh, oh, yeah. let's do the Rockies. Yeah. They've had a lot of upheaval. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
There you go. And speaking of Rockies and upheaval, Skyler, if you want to lead us to our first yeah. segment. There you go, Evan, bringing in the perfect segue. So let's get into some Rockies news here. There's a little bit of action with the team uh, during this offseason so far, despite the you know, player lockout. So player transactions are kind of on hold, but it hasn't stopped them from working out with the coaching staff in the front office and everything. So there's been a little bit of a front office revamp. Uh, one of the first ones that kind of dropped that dominoes during in uh, in December was former Rockies hitting coach and manager Clint Hurdle has joined the team as a special assistant. Uh, spent a long time as manager, notably the manager of the 2007 team. Uh, took him all the way to the World Series. Spent time with the Pirates as a as the manager. Took them to a couple of wild cards, but then he's just kind of been in touch with the Rockies. But finally official position uh, working with the team. So I wanted to start, what, what's your guys' take on this? Is it a good move? Uh, would you have done something different? What, what are your thoughts on Clint Hurdle joining the Rockies? Eh. I think it's a, I think it's a good Why? move, honestly. Um, I, I think the Rockies, I'll start with this preface, that I think the Rockies do have a tendency um, to – go nostalgic in terms of hires and people that they bring in because they they tend to lean back on oh this is back back from the good times let's bring that guy in but i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because we've seen you know good developments come from that where we have uh vinnie castilla in the the dugout for every game being a really positive coaching influence on all of our players but for clint hurdle especially I know that, especially in the later years in Pittsburgh, he was kind of rubbing people the long the wrong way. But what I think is really important about this hire is that Clint Hurdle is a baseball lifer who's been on a bunch of different sides of the ball. He's worked in front offices. He's been a coach and a manager. He's been a player. And I think he is a really good option as a bridge between the front office and the clubhouse because, you know, as we all know, that's been kind of an issue is, you know, the clubhouse and, and the front office butting heads and not necessarily seeing eye to eye. And if bringing in a guy like Clint Hurdle, who the players under him tend to respect him a great deal and he knows what winning looks like and he... He knows how a lot of things work baseball-wide that that could be a really good move in terms of sorting mending bridges that have been broken over the last couple seasons. It could be kind of a bridge between like an external hire and an internal hire almost in a sense. You know, yes, he's an internal-ish. He's been with the Rockies, but at the same time, he's also been away from the Rockies for a while. And, you know, just him coming back it could be perceived as you know an internal hire as a nostalgic hire but as you mentioned Evan he's not necessarily just a yes man um he might be able to kind of stand up to to Dick Monfort and to some of the other like folks in the front office and say no this is a really stupid idea um or this is a really like this is a good idea but here's how you could make it better instead of just saying yes sir I'll do it um so it could be perceived kind of as uh, it could go either way, but I don't think it's a purely, it's not just another yes man internal hire, which I think is, is good for what the Rockies need right now. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that because if anybody remembers back when uh, Clint Hurdle was the manager, he was never afraid to tell you exactly what was on his mind. And I think in our current front office, that is something that's really needed. And I, and I do agree that it's an internal hire, but it's also not because he hasn't been with the organization in over 10 years. He's been out doing other things. He's been with the, he was with the Pittsburgh pirates for quite some time and had a winning record with them over there before, you know, things sort of started to, to collapse in terms of that front office. And he took a lot of the blame, um, which, which I don't think is necessarily uh, right because I think we, the Pirates, for all the ownership woes that the Rockies have, the Pirates are in a lot worse of a situation over there. Um, and so I think that's that's even better for Clint because he has now seen that kind of a, like a skin flint threadbare absolutely refuses to spend organization. And I think that's a good perspective to have in our front office because the Rockies don't necessarily don't spend. We have a, a middle-of-the-pack payroll, but maybe we could keep it from progressing and getting worse. Well, um, and even there was kind of a, you know, running joke of, you know, the the Pirates were the farm system for the rest of MLB, right? Like, you could look at any team and go, oh, yeah, these five guys used to be Pirates. <laughs> and now it kind of seems that the Rockies are a little bit in that boat of, you know, we joke around about the Yankees being Rockies East, and it's kind of true. Um, so maybe being in an organization that has similar makeup but has had success more recently could also be something that, you know, Clint Hurdle could could lean on and his expertise could lend well to of, okay, Pittsburgh turned it around. This is how they went from being MLB's farm system to really good for a couple of years maybe they can take that kind of a similar blueprint with the Rockies instead of just saying, well, these guys just need to figure themselves out. Yeah, and I think overall it's really important to remember too with Clint Hurdle is that it sounds like his position, not necessarily you know, he's going to be in the front office in Colorado 24-7, but staying home back in Florida and really mm-hmm. kind of looking over the player development aspect of things. So really working yes. with a lot of the minor league teams, going around doing that sort of thing, which – I think is really beneficial. Here's a baseball lifer who can go around and kind of help the development of these kids in the minor leagues and really help them you know, improve because Clint Hurdle knew his stuff as a hitting coach and his manager, so he's really good at helping develop guys. Uh, what do you think, Mac? Last thing say, here on you know, Hurdle. Before we started recording, I talked to Sam a little bit, and she said one thing she sort of appreciates is that, like, you know, it's kind of get down the Rockies these days because, like, just low-hanging fruit or whatever. And I, she appreciates the positivity. So here I have to be the guy that's a bit of a downer on this, actually. How weird is that? Uh, I don't hate it, to be clear. I don't hate it. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a bad move. I don't think you could ever look at bring Clint Hurdle into an organization and think it's like a, a bad idea. My worry is that it is a nostalgia hire. And I get that that's very like surface level. And I get that that's like, you know, just a very one-dimensional way of looking at it. And I'm not, and I do agree, you know, the players in 07 loved him. And that management style worked back then. But that management style worked back then. And I think that even though he is not in that role, my biggest fear is that it's just another example of bring in somebody that was effective in the past and then we'll just deal with the details later. Um, I think that you're right that he's probably more likely to quote-unquote stand up to somebody like a Monfort or a Schmidt or whoever is going to make those decisions and maybe 
you know, have a bit more floor presence to, to potentially kind of steer them in a, in a more beneficial direction. But I don't know. To me, it's, again, I'm not saying it's a bad move. I don't hate it. I saw it and I was like, that's fine. But it's it's fine to me. Um, I don't know. To me, it's just, it's just, I'm a little bit worried that they're still so reliant on the old guard and the guys that were effective in the past, which I get is like a viable strategy. I mean, Clint Hurdle's top 40 winningest managers in baseball history, which is, you know, he knows his stuff for sure. Like Evan says, he's a total lifer, but I don't know. I just, I think where the Rockies are right now in their development as a team for this season and as an organization for the future, I just think new eyes on their product would go a long way. I know Clint Hurdle is sort of new eyes because he is, like Evan said, 10 years removed, but eh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm on the fence about it. I think it's, it's fine. It's not a bad hire. I don't want it to be construed as I'm saying it's like it's a terrible idea. It's nothing like that. I think it's totally fine. But I, that's just my biggest fear is that it's a bit more of like the, yeah, it's worked in the past, so we may as well just run it out again. I don't know. I'm going to be that guy. Sorry. That's, that's where I'm at on it. <laughs> no, and it's good. And I'm with you there on that. Of you know, It is nostalgia hire first and foremost. You know, and it could go either way. He could end up doing a lot of great things or it's just kind of like, everything else of the Rockies still living in the past and not moving forward into the future. No, they're still keeping one foot in 2007 while trying to win a championship here in 2022. Uh, so it, it, I can understand then it goes, it does go mm-hmm. both ways. Like, I guess here's my like biggest thing. My bad, Skylar. No, I guess good. just like, here's my biggest thing. It's like the 07 team was effective in a way that the 2021 or two or three Rockies will never be. And what I mean by that is that the the way that the Rockies are constructed now is so different, right? The young pitching core, uh, what will hopefully be a strong bullpen, right? Like, I know that they were sort of trending. They weren't quite the late streak bombers anymore back then, but they still had, like, a very potent offense that was held up by better than their usual but still not incredible pitching staff. And I just I wonder if Clint Hurdle is going to be willing to make such a – big adjustment versus the last time he was here. Maybe will it'll work out totally fine. That's just where, you know, that's just what I was thinking. Yeah. And I think, Sam, did you have anything to add? No, I think I said my piece. (laughs) (laughs) No, and and I like that. That's a perfect segue, Mac, uh, into kind of this next topic. I know this is something Evan's been super pumped about, kind of the revamping of the Rockies, kind of research and development department. So I'm going to hand it over to Evan here. Your thoughts here on the – on the R&D department now. You can't see me because it's an audio podcast, but I am pumping my arms up and down at the <laughs> revamping of the <laughs> uh, Rockies analytics and research and development staff. So this is a really big deal in terms of the Rockies because we have gone from having a very small and very ineffective uh, research and development and analytics team over the last couple seasons where at the beginning of the 2021 season, basically everybody, but two people left our analytics team and we had to outsource a lot of that. And it was a huge problem, but for all of their faults, the Rockies brought in a, a new team and they brought in some really interesting people from sort of all over uh, baseball in multiple different 
technical fields. So um, they hired Scott Van Lenten uh, as the R&D director, who was a senior analyst with the Washington Nationals when they won their World Series in 2019. Um, we have folks from multiple different organizations. We have someone from the Twins organization. We have someone who's coming from the Marlins organization. Um, we have someone who's coming from the Rays organization. And, and some of these people are fairly experienced where they've been like six to 10 years with, with multiple different teams in addition to some uh, other fresh faces. And this is very much what the Rockies needed is to get new faces from outside the organization into the R&D team. Because that's been an issue with the Rockies for a long, long time, even, even, even today, is that they have a tendency to bring up people from within when they desperately need to expand their viewpoints to outside the organization. And so I think at the very least, for the analytics team bringing in a bunch of different people from all over the the tech and, and baseball world is a really, really good move. And one of the things that I think the Rockies and assistant general manager Zach Rosenthal and even even Bill Schmidt should be praised for um, because Bill Schmidt has said that he views analytics as a very important tool and that he'll use anything that he views as an important tool when it comes to team building. And I think that they did a good job with this. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Sam, you've, you've covered the team a little bit longer than the rest of us. Uh, what's your take on this, the improved analytics department? Yeah, I definitely think it's a, really important thing as Evan mentioned you know that's kind of something that the Rockies have I don't know if like historically struggled with but it's always been kind of it's been a small department and you know a couple within you know 2020 it was the department of analytics and laundry and that's that's a whole thing (laughs) um but just like I have I have pulled up Thomas Harding's article from um January 12th so uh, a couple of days ago from when we're recording this and just looking at some of these names I mean, you've got uh, Scott Van Lenten from the Nationals as the new R&D director. You've got Brittany, I think it's Habby, or Habby, um, as, you know, she was with the Rockies through the MLB Diversity Fellowship Program. Um, Isaac Gerhardt Hines as the full-stack web developer, also from the Nationals. Uh, I'm, oh gosh, Tehua Hong. I'm totally <laughs> sorry if I totally butchered that. Um, you know, as a data engineer, Ryan Kelly, data architect from the Rays, Ethan Moore. Um, he's been with the Twins, but more recently, you know, he graduated from Broomfield High School. So he's a local guy and can bring some of that local perspective that, you know, we've seen has really helped guys like Kyle Freeland and um, Lucas, uh, shoot, Gilbreth, <laughs> sorry, um, you know, Al Gilbert from the Dodgers. Juliana Rubin, who's a she's a soccer person, but she, you know she's got a law degree, and I think that's really important. She can really see how like the business and legal things all turn together. Um, and then of course Sterling Monfort, who I know we want to talk about later, was recently promoted as the director of pro scouting. But just looking at this list, there's a lot of folks in here with a lot of diverse experience from all over the league, and I think bringing in you know, really beefing up that department is hopefully going to pay dividends down the line. 
Um, so it's not just a handful of people. Every All of the players who need things can ask one of these folks, theoretically, um, and hopefully get, get what they need instead of having to wait in line. So. Yeah, and it's a surefire way to bring in outside hires is when most of what you already had, they left. And so it forces you to bring in some new people into the organization. And I do like there's just that variety of people that are coming from clubs that have successful clubs, that have won divisions, won championships, uh, and then coming over to the Rockies and kind of help revamp uh, revamp their, their department and improve those analytics and really help the team overall so they can make maybe some smarter moves. We can avoid you know, maybe another Ian Desmond contract or something like that. So it, it, it's a good move by the Rockies. Bill Schmidt at least has stated he wants to improve that department. So if he can do that, it, it'll go a long way, I think, with the Rockies and helping them succeed and also help the fans a little bit, change their mindset a little bit. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, we do have some other movement there. And this was probably the one that got the most attention uh, in the past week or so. Uh, As my social media accounts will. Yep provide evidence for yes it yeah did. and so as sam mentioned sterling monfort the son of rocky's owner dick monfort uh was promoted to the director of pro scouting and this one kind of it's divided people uh, it's gotten a lot of you know criticism for month for sterling getting that position uh it's kind of up in the air so break it down for me what what are your thoughts on this with sterling monfort taking over kind of this this high-profile position in the organization. I'm going to pop in first and say hot take. It's not that – it's not the end of the world. Hot take. Like, it's nepotism, and it's not great, and I don't like it necessarily. I think that there's outside sources that can be utilized. But I think that there's a lot of people that are saying that it's, like, the worst, horrible, awful, whatever, and I just don't see it. Like, I, like, I just, you know – I don't know. There's a lot of people that get involved with scouting, and if there's one thing the Rockies have done extraordinarily well over the last 20 years, it's scout young talent. Do they stay here? Do they become legends here? Not necessarily. But the Rockies have always scouted very, very well as an organization. I don't think it's a great hire. I think, like, I, you know, we're going to talk about it. I'm sure Evan's got some something to say. But, uh, no, I just, I think that I've seen a lot of doomsday posts recently about you know, this is horrible. It's it's just more of the same. And it's like, to me, it's not a great hire just based on the optics of it, right? Just the, like I said, like just bringing someone's kid in to just kind of do it. I, I don't necessarily love that, but I also don't think that this is like a huge failing of the organization that's going to lead to despair and the earth opening up and swallowing Coors Field into its fiery depths. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I think it's a... I think it's one of the. I think it's a lame hire, but I don't think it's a doomsday end of the world situation at all. I mean, yeah, and it's like, go ahead, Sam. I was gonna say you could almost kind of maybe foil it with um, with the Clint Hurdle hire. Like everybody was like, you're either really really excited about Clint Hurdle, or you're kind of like you know like Mac you mentioned earlier, kind of it's fine, it's whatever. Whereas I feel like the Sterling Monfort hire is you're either kind of like okay yeah this is fine or. You know the the earth is gonna come and swallow up Coors Field, and it's the end totally. of the world, and this is doomsday. So you could kind of maybe foil them together, but I'm I'm kind of with you, I, like in the sense of is it a bad hire? Not necessarily. Is it a good hire? 
not necessarily. Is it the best hire they could have made for the position? Um, definitely not. Like, they're probably better candidates out there who are not named Monfort who could have gotten this position. Same thing kind of with Clint Hurdle. Like, was he the best hire for the position? Maybe, but we don't know. Not yet. Um, there could have been better you know, hires made. But I think, you know, looking, I have Evan's article pulled up here at purplerow.com entitled Rocky's name, Sterling Monfort, director of professional scouting. Um, you know, Mon, uh, Sterling's got a better resume than I think people give him credit for. Again, because of the last name Monfort, people automatically dismiss him. But, you know, I'll let Evan kind of go into the details of it, but I don't like just looking at his resume, he's not a bad hire, but he's just not the best hire. Perhaps. Evan, yeah, the way I've been trying to, to tell it is that he is not unqualified, but he is potentially underqualified because he's he's incredibly young. Like he's got to be at least 10 years younger than the majority of other people in the same position on other teams. And um, I got a lot of flack on twitter especially for quote unquote defending the hire by listing his qualifications but he does have some qualifications and admittedly he probably wouldn't have necessarily gotten this start that he has in terms of getting these qualifications without his last name being montfort his job with the team and being hired immediately after graduating college at arizona state university is you know no matter how you hack it a nepotism move because um Dick Monfort has both of his sons in the organization. Um, his oldest son, Walker, is on the business side of things as the like VP of corporate partnerships or something like that. Um, but Sterling Monfort has, at the very least, been putting in the work. When he first graduated, he uh, went and was a coaching assistant with uh, the then rookie league Grand Junction Rockies for the 2013 season which, um, you know, gives him good on the general day-to-day playing operations experience, in addition to the fact that he did play, um, you know, high school ball. He, he's played baseball, um, which is, is also very good. But from pretty much everybody that I talk to who's had any sort of interaction with, with Sterling is that he is very hardworking he is always like trying to learn he's putting in the work he's not just like oh i'm here because my father got me the job that he he really does put in the work he's he's smart and he's learned how to scout and he's learned about player personnel he's been a scout for the rockies especially on like the the west coast and california side of things and he was a scouting advisor um, up until this move. And like I, like I said, he's definitely, I think, underqualified for the job, especially in terms of how long he's been working in baseball and day-to-day baseball operations and how young he is. And you know, I've seen some people argue that, oh, he'd never get hired outside of the Rockies because his last name is Monfort. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think he would definitely be able to get hired for uh, a scouting or player development position, but nowhere near to the level that he has been promoted to. No other team is going to hire a, um, a 30, 31 year old guy with 
about eight total years of baseball operations experience to be the president of pro scouting or director of professional scouting. Like that's not going to happen. So definitely him being pushed up so fast is, is not ideal. And I definitely understand people's trepidation with that. But on the other hand, people really need to do kind of a double take and look at, okay, so for at the very least the last eight years, he's been doing scouting and field advising and baseball operations and stuff like that. And he's not necessarily going to be on his own here. He's going to be reporting directly to Bill Schmidt um, and working with the members of the analytics staff and assistant GM, Zach Rosenthal. He's basically filling the shoes of John Whale, who left um, early in the 2021 season, who was an uh, assistant general manager. I, I don't love the move. I don't think anybody loves the move. It's weird. And because his last name is Monfort, it's definitely, I think, off-putting, as you can see by the uh, huge amount of fan backlash on Twitter. And I think the optics of it were also not very good because it really does feel like the Rockies sort of tried to sneak it by. Um, So he was apparently named the position on January 1st and purple row, believe it or not, um, was the first main Rockies publication to sort of run with that information. It was like a footnote in a baseball America article. And then we put out um, our article that blew up immensely. And then um, the Denver Post just got to it a couple days ago uh, via Patrick Saunders. So I think it was definitely bad optics to try and kind of sneak that through as opposed to just being upfront about it, which if you were going to do it, you should have done in the first place. Well, I'm also thinking, you know, two things, two things come to mind. If, you know, everybody right now is super down on the Rockies and super down on Dick Monfort because of kind of what's gone down over the last couple of years. If this had happened, say, same thing, you know, 30-year-old, 31-year-old Sterling Monfort promoted to director of scouting in 2017 or 2018 when the Rockies were better, would this have gotten such, still such backlash? Or would it have been, you know, met with maybe not necessarily praise, but more like, okay, I could see this, this is okay, but not, you know, doomsday 2022 Second thing that I was kind of thinking of is, you know, Sterling Monfort is not the first son of an owner or child of an owner to get stuff like this. Like the names that came to mind for me were the Bolin kids. And we all know how that's going down. Um, This is not a football podcast. This is a baseball podcast. But I'm also thinking of like Stephen Jones in in Dallas with the Cowboys. Um, Even, you know, from a coaching standpoint, Kyle Shanahan and even, I think, um, Bill Belichick's son, I think his name is also Steven. Um, a lot of, you know, kids of owners, kids of coaches, you know, maybe move up a little bit quicker than they should be or are working on the business side of the team or, you know, kind of using their name to their advantage. I mean, the Monforts are not, are not a unique case of this. Um, it's just, I think right now, everybody's super down on the Rockies. If this had happened five years ago, it might not have been met with as much backlash as it is right now, or even maybe five years from now when he's 35 and maybe the Rockies are good again. Um, but I think the timing of it is what's making it such a quote unquote problem at the moment. And, and presumably Sterling is going to own the team 
uh, one day when his when his father decides to retire and hands off the organization to his sons. I would prefer this is a better move of having at least the kids working their way up in the organization, learning the ropes, you know, getting down and gritty, you know, scouting players, learning that part of it. So then when he does take over the team, he at least has that experience and hopefully can learn from the sins of his father, learn from those mistakes and say, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it this way so we can win championships and everything. So only time will tell how this move pans out and, know how things work so well even kind of like you said Skylar you know having with with the two of them Sterling and also Walker like Walker's in the uh he's in the business side of things and now Sterling is on the baseball side of things so how you know if they both inherit the team you've got one guy on both sides of of team ops and I don't think that's a bad thing at all um you know coming together and making one product with both of them having their own expertise, you know, may or may not, it might be a good thing kind of in the long run. Maybe yeah, especially because like Dick, Dick Monfort may consider himself a baseball person, but he very much is not. And I would much rather have instead of a retread of that, if we're going to have this ownership be inherited, it be inherited by people who have spent time actually working in baseball and have become baseball people instead of just considering themselves a baseball person because they own a baseball team. And because they're a fan. Like, you know, Evan, you and I talked about it earlier. There's different, there's a difference between being a fan of the team and being and working in and around the team. Um, and there's kind of a separation that has to happen. And, you know, Dick Monfort always loves to say that he's he's the Rockies' number one fan. He's a huge baseball fan. But does that make you qualified mm. to run baseball ops? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll go ahead and take a quick break here. Any uh, Right before that, anything you want to add, Mac? No, I think it's a great breakdown, man. Just pretty much exactly what I said. It's, it's one of those wait and sees. You know what I mean? There's a lot that goes into it. Too early to really decide if it's make a huge impact, but we'll just kind of see how it rolls out. Baseball is a long-term sport. It's yes, a long it season. It's a long, you know, you draft a kid and you don't see him for five years. Baseball is a long-term sport. So mm-hmm. we'll see how this this move works long-term. Yeah. So I, all eyes will be on that Rockies front office with all those moves up there. And, again, only time will tell how things pan out and you know, if these moves will pay off and see how the team improves. So. We'll go ahead and take a quick break here. Don't go anywhere. We've got still a lot more to talk about. Here are a couple things with the Rockies coaching changes. Uh, Maybe we'll touch on some Hall of Fame updates and also what's going on with the world of baseball and the ongoing lockout. Welcome back here. Hope we all enjoyed those wonderful ad breaks that we've got. Uh, But there's still plenty more to talk about here in the world of Rockies baseball. Uh, we We got... The entire coaching staff for the 2022 season, uh, we've still got some of the regulars. Uh, we've got Bud Black, still manager. We've got Mike Redmond there on the bench. Uh, we've got Dave Magadan as our hitting coach. Uh, we've got Stu Cole still over at third, Ron Gideon over at first. So still some of our normal names, uh, but added quite a few different names here this season. With the departure of Steve Foster as pitching coach, Daryl Scott, who has spent the previous two seasons as the bullpen coach, has been promoted to pitching coach. Uh, we've got Reed Cornelius, who's replacing him in the bullpen. 
Andy Gonzalez has been named an assistant hitting coach. And I had to write down the pronunciation here to make sure I say it right. P.J. Pilateri has been named another assistant hitting coach. So kind of a revamp there uh, in the coaching staff. What are you guys' takes on this? Oh, anything that Anybody that pops out to you? Uh, I'm glad that Steve Foster is staying with the organization. Um, it's basically been reported that he's sort of stepping away from a day-to-day game sort of role in addition to being more of a, like, pitching operations directorial kind of guy. So I'm glad he's staying with the organization because under his hand, we really have seen uh, a marked improvement in terms of pitching, especially with the rotation. Um, So I'm happy that he's staying with us. There are some interesting names on here. Um, I think Reed Cornelius is the bullpen coach is a little weird just because he doesn't have a ton of big league coaching experience for being a pitching coach or bullpen coach. He was the Marlins rehab pitching coach, and he has a couple years of being a full pitching coach with the AAA Gwinnett Stripers. Um, I think a big reason for him coming in is that he knows bench coach Mike Red Mike Redmond very well. Uh, they work together in Florida, but I'm not super sure about that one. The one that I like, uh, actually is the uh, P.J. Pilateri signing. Um, the Yankees, over the years that he was in, uh, he was a hitting coach over there, ha- have never really necessarily been a bad hitting team, especially with their power numbers. And I think that's something that the Rockies have been trying to sort of rejuvenate, where overall power numbers for the Rockies are down. And I'm always down to get a fresh face in. I am genuinely not thrilled that uh, Dave Magadan is getting another year. Um, I, I legitimately think I like Dave Magadan as a person, but I think we've seen what he can do as a hitting coach, both with the Rockies and he was with the Diamondbacks previously. And it's very, very similar to the point where I, I don't really agree with keeping him around. I think a fresh face as a full on hitting coach would have been a move that would have made me happier but in general, for all these overall coaching moves, I don't think there's anything to really be, you know, upset or worried about. And I'm happy with, with people staying like Stu Cole and Ron Gideon. I thought it was interesting that they hired two hitting assistants for this mm-hmm. year. Because um, previously it was just Jeff Salazar who they let go. But now they've got, yeah, Andy Gonzalez and PJ Pilateri here. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe... You know, they're getting two fresh faces as assistant hitting coaches. So while that's not, you know, letting go of Dave Magadan, they're still bringing in two new people to maybe whisper in his ear. And maybe that'll do something. And if not, I guess we'll see what happens at the end of this season. Um, if there is a season, when there's a season, who knows? <laughs> yeah. um, but I think, yeah, having two new assistants instead of just the next next person up Um could be a benefit yeah i agree plus i don't think we're actually going to see any major coaching staff overhauls until we know for certain what the future is of bud black uh, since this is the final year of bud's contract with the rockies whether we decide to bring him back or if we keep him for the 2023 season we could see some major coaching changes next year 
I'm of the mind. So I, you guys basically nailed it. Um, by the way, Rocky should absolutely resign Bud Black. There's literally no reason they should let him go. He's one of the best managers they've ever had. But that aside, uh, I'm basically exactly with, with y'all. I think uh, keeping Daryl Scott around was a great call. I, like y'all said, it would have been nice to kind of move Dave Magadan into another role. Um, just because you're right, that hasn't really you know borne any fruit over his last few seasons. But I think Sam makes a really good point talking about having two assistant hitting coaches. Like she said, man, just the idea that there's going to be another, you know, sort of mouthpiece, another opportunity to kind of learn from each other and pick each up, you know, pick up techniques and whatever's going to help them um, kind of, you know, find out what is going to be their best offensive game plan throughout the season. So I like that. I actually kind of like the idea of Reed Cornelius being a bullpen coach. And that's sort of weird because it is true that, like, he hasn't really had all that much experience at the major league level as a bullpen coach. But, you know, he was their uh, rehab pitching coach of the Marlins last season. He's been around baseball for like 30 years. He was a pitcher himself for a few years. Um, you know, played for 13 seasons. I like it. Why not? Get it? Like, I, like I said, I'm all about fresh faces. Give the guy a shot at the major league level. The bullpen has been uh, something that the Rockies have really tried tweaking over the last few seasons. And as we've seen, it has either been... Really successful for parts, but largely has been pretty yucky, uh, you know, especially the last couple seasons. So I'm excited to have him in. Um, from the brief bit I've read about him, I think he seems like a cool guy. So I'm happy to have him around. And uh, I do look forward to seeing what this kind of new, like you said, small little shakeup will do. And then just like Evan kind of alluded to, I think that this kind of preludes what might be a really big sort of ground up rebuild of the coaching staff next season if they do decide to split from Bud Black, which they absolutely not to yeah i don't want to happen it's kind of in the park i'm in the one i'm just still wary of daryl scott being the main pitching coach because Mm. the bullpen kind of been historically bad these past two seasons while he was Mm -hmm. in charge of the bullpen Uh, and i know it's tough being a bullpen coach especially in colorado Uh, so i'm just nervous about that aspect uh, because i don't want anything leaking out of the bullpen into our starting rotation which has been pretty good uh, historically good over the past couple of seasons. So hopefully he has a little bit better, more luck with the the starting pitching staff and Reed Cornelius can kind of help revamp that bullpen. Uh, one thing I did want to ask really quick while we were talking about inter- nostalgia hires and stuff, if you were to pick a former Rocky to fill any of these positions, who would you pick? Oh gosh. So I actually, on the spot. and we'll see what happens with this. I think Scott Oberg, yes. if his yeah. playing career Understood. is over, which unfortunately it really does look more and more like that's going to be the case, I think the Rockies immediately need to bring him in as part of the coaching staff. He's shown that he can pitch really well in Coors Field and that he's got really good leadership qualities in the bullpen and on the team as a whole where like the team adores Scott Oberg and it's very clear that the front office likes him a lot as well. So he is definitely a person that I would immediately bring into the coaching staff should he retire. So this isn't a hundred percent a nostalgia hire yet, and it may never be, but kind of on the, on the token of Scott Oberg, what do y'all think about like Daniel Bard when he retires, keeping him hmm. around as a bullpen, mental skills, whatever the heck kind of coach, and maybe pair him and Oberg together um, to kind of help the young pitchers. 
Absolutely, because that's actually something that Bill Schmidt has talked about, mm -hmm. that one of his major focuses of the game is the mental health aspect and the mental aspect of the game. And I think that both Scott Oberg and Daniel Bard would be tremendous resources on that front. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, this is sort of a weird one, but I would love to see in either an assistant or just straight up uh, hitting coach. I'd like to see Michael Dyer is my guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude, he just, he is just like the picture of consistency for a right-handed Batman. Um, you know, between the Twins, Rockies, and Mets, man, he just was so, so, so consistent year after year. You know, obviously won the batting title year that he was here, so he knows how to hit at altitude, knows how to hit consistently at altitude. Um, so that would that would probably be my pick, is to get Michael Dyer back in the organization some way. If we have to legacy, legacy hire, that'd be my guy. And he does a lot of good work with USA Baseball right now. He does. Uh, doing yes, a ton does. of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, for me... Uh, there's there's a ton that I'd love to see, uh, but one that I'd love to see either as a hitting or something, either Matt Holiday or Jason Giambi, oh, because going. Giambi was in the running for that 2012 manager hire. Yep, because uh, mm -hmm. he interviewed for it and then he went over to Cleveland when he didn't get it. Uh, but I think Giambi get golden thongs for everybody. Uh, so you got <laughs> you got that aspect of the, for the team. <laughs> Uh, and just that, <laughs> just that expertise. But Holiday, I think uh, Matt Holiday would be a dream, a dream. When well, he's uh, doing some higher. coaching now, mm -hmm. yeah, he's over in Oklahoma helping out his brother. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and, and no, getting him with this Rockies team and fill more of that role that he did when he played here, even that short stint again in uh, 2018, get Holiday back. I think that would go a long way, helping improve the offense. I like that. Uh, Another guy in that same vein would be. And a, a great way to sort of repair another broken bridge is Troy Tulowitzki. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, we're and kind of in that scene. I, oh. I would also love to see, just really quick, bring back Carlos Gonzalez. I was just going to say that. Yep. In some way, even as just like a special assistant mm -hmm. akin to what Vinny Castilla is doing right now, that positive energy and yes. just excitedness in the clubhouse is so important. Yeah, I mean, he had success in Colorado and, you know, all that jazz, but also even just as a human being and, a you know, positive energy, a good bridge with the Latin players. You know, I think he's he just brings everything, everything to the to the table that should be brought to the table in terms of skills and, you know, tangible on the field skills, off the field clubhouse stuff like, yeah, cargo would be, I think he would be a, a great hire to do something. Or even or even just get any of these guys in the organization itself. So even if they're mm -hmm. helping coach, you know, in Fresno mm -hmm. or um, yeah. have them down in Albuquerque helping out for a season, just get them in the organization to spread that winning Rockies philosophy. Mm -hmm. you know, so these guys are learning how to hit from a very early goings. So I think that would go a long way, but who knows? And also just to like have fun and not get so down on yourself. Like I think I think the struggle with Tulo, I you know, I know Patrick Saunders wrote an article about Coach Tulo recently, but I know Tulo was intense. And even Nolan yep. talked Nolan Arenado talked about how, 
you know, sometimes Tulo would be like, hey, man, why are you like you had a crappy game? Why are you on your phone right now? You should be in the batting cages. And Nolan's like, OK. <laughs> and then no, you saw like Nolan become slowly more serious and more intense. And not to say like Tulo is the reason I love the Rockies. Like, honestly, yep. I saw him in 2007. It was like Tulowitzki's such a fun name to say. So, <laughs> so he's my first favorite Rocky. He's the reason I love the Rockies. But I worry, I mean, maybe he's kind of grown up a little bit, but I worry that he might be intense as a coach where I feel like Carlos Gonzalez would be intense in a tough love kind of way, but also be like, all right, you had a crappy game. Let's talk about what happened. Let's spend an hour in the cages and then like wipe it off, go home, watch a silly cat video and we'll come back tomorrow. You know, I, I think you're absolutely right because this is something that got talked about a lot, especially during the 2020 season, is that everybody in the dugout just seemed so miserable. And, you know, Nolan seemed upset and angry, and Story also, you know, seemed really frustrated because both of both of those players are very quiet, very intense, very competitive guys. And Nolan especially, you would see him blow up occasionally where if things were going poorly you would see him have kind of an outburst where whether it's like you know throwing things in the club out or that time where he was getting all up in Walt Weiss's face stuff like that but during the 2020 season everybody on the bench looked miserable and we saw it be a lot better honestly in 2021 where it looked like people were having more fun and I think there really has been a lack of guys in the clubhouse who are going to contribute to a fun and positive environment. And that was such a big deal with Carlos Gonzalez and even Gerardo Parra. Yeah. And a big thing that Gerardo Parra brought to the Washington Nationals was his infectious positivity and fun as a leader in that clubhouse. Even if his play is not necessarily, you know, all-star level, his ability to influence a clubhouse for the better is something that a lot of teams need and I think the Rockies have definitely done better with that in 2021 where with guys like Ryan McMahon and a lot of the younger guys like Connor Joe and Sam Hilliard and Raymond Tapia the home run shades stuff mm -hmm. like that of trying to have it be more fun and more positive because it's like it's even like CJ Crone who's like when when he was asked why he wouldn't wear the home run shades, he was like, hey, I'm an old school player. I don't need to do that kind of thing. But then he stopped and was like, but if they want to do that, that's great. And I encourage it. And that's the kind of things like fostering that you can be intense and you can be competitive, but you should never let it stop being fun. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. that is that is an I'm not a baseball player. I can only speak so much into the mindsets of of professional athletes. But at the end of the day, even though it's your job, it's it's for the love of the game, right? You you love baseball. Baseball is fun. Baseball is something you're passionate about. And you can't let hyper-competitiveness sort of ruin that fun. Well, and I mean, Mac, you know this, you know, as a musician, there is a point, and I'm yep. sure it's the same as a baseball player, there is such a thing as too much practice and too yep. much of anything. You know, I mean, you can play something a million times and then 
all of a sudden you start fumbling over stupid things. Like you miss, you start missing notes, you start missing phrases mm -hmm. that you've played a hundred gazillion times. And then all of a sudden during the week of your audition, you can't play them anymore. Some of that might be mm -hmm. nerves. Some of that might just be, you know, you've played it way too much and you're not thinking about it anymore. So there's something to be said about taking a break and, you know, taking maybe not like a week off, but just taking some time off, taking a breather, and then coming back the next day, even if even if you end on a sour note, like literally, um, you know, come back the next day and practice it again and remind, and, you know, remember why, like you said, remember why it's fun. And I think, you know, there's baseball is such an individual sport that it's easy for someone to go and say, I had a really crappy game. I'm going to go, you know, hash it out in the batting cages or, you know, the um, or do some pitching stuff, you know, whatever. I'm going to go do that for the next three hours. But are you really going to get super much better for three, like spending three hours between one game and another? Are you going to be that much better on Tuesday than you were on Monday if you spend three or four hours in the batting cage? Like, go do it for an hour, figure out kind of what happened, come in an hour early the next day, but don't like drive yourself into the ground doing it. Yes. <laughs> now, there's a lot of the mental aspects part of the game, and that plays a lot into it. Or even if just you're pushing memory. yourself too yeah. much, you're getting into your own head, you start mm -hmm. pressing, you start failing, and then it's just kind of a vicious cycle. Vicious cycle, <laughs> yep, exactly. So, but, hey, I'd love to see the Rockies, if they're going to embrace the past, embrace it, bring more guys in, whoever it may be. You know, the more successful guys mm -hmm. in Rockies yeah. history, not just like Daryl Scott, who pitched Hashtag two seasons. Hashtag Coach Cargo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, one last thing, we'll touch on it super quick. Hall of Fame voting's happening. We'll learn the results here in a couple weeks. Uh, still, fairly big class. We've still got, it's the last year for guys like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, some of these guys connected to PEDs. Uh, still up in the air if they're going to make it in or not. Uh, who knows? Uh, and then first year on the ballot, we've got guys like Alex Rodriguez, uh, David Ortiz, it looks like at the moment that David Ortiz is kind of the one that's at the top of the list of maybe making it in this year. Uh, he's floating right around that 75%. But then our very own Todd Helton, longtime Rockies first baseman, uh, still shooting to become just the second Rocky in Hall of Fame, uh, which is fun to say. He's tracking well. Over, under, what do you guys think? Does Todd Helton... How close does Todd Helton get this year? I'm looking at some of the ballots right now as we're talking. I think he'll get close-ish. I think he'll get over 50%. Um, maybe even hit 60. I don't think he gets in this year. But I think he's making a very, very strong case for himself. And I think that a lot of the writers are finally starting to kind of get over this uh, you know, whole Coors Field bias thing. So I am very, very happy with how Helton's doing this season, thus far at least. You look at a lot of these ballots, and they're a bit in some, respectfully, right? Whatever. But, like, let's be real, right? They've thrown some pretty garbage ballots. You know what I'm saying? Like, there have been a lot. You come out, and you're like, wow, I for sure. But, uh, but no, I'm really happy with the press that, that Helton has carried on a lot of these. So I don't necessarily think that this is his year, but I definitely think he's on his way. I agree. Um, right now, um, at the the tracker that they have, courtesy of uh, Ryan Thibodeau at 
at not Mr. Tibbs on Twitter, who does the really excellent ballot tracking stuff. Um, Todd's at, you know, net plus 11 in terms of votes. Uh, last year he finished with like 44.9%. And right now with about 42% of known public ballots, he's like at 56%. I definitely think he's probably not going to get in this year because there's still a lot of other really big names on the ballot. What's going to help him immensely is that um, with Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, and Sammy Sosa falling off the ballot next year, either by getting in or by um, just being their 10th and final year and they're removed from the ballot, I think that's going to help him a lot. And I do think Larry Walker getting in really did help mm -hmm. the perception of... Uh, Rockies players Big because time. come on Todd Helen's a Hall of Famer yeah yeah I mean <laughs> I, I kind of agree you know I, I definitely don't think he's going to get in this year you know for better for worse but he's so far been tracking better track you know than than Larry Walker did it might not be this year it might not even be next year but I'd say within the next you know by 2025 Todd Helton should be in the Hall of Fame yeah, he's in he's in his fourth year on the ballot right now, and he's been making steady gains. I don't think Todd is going to have to wait until his final year on the ballot like Larry Walker did, which we're all hoping for. Yep, uh, and and it is very encouraging to see the the progress that he makes each year. Uh, it's always a gut punch when you see his on the the Hall of Fame ballot tracker on Twitter when you see his name and it's a red box. I mean that he lost a vote. Oh, it's always a a dagger to the heart, a punch to the gut because you hate to totally. see him dropped off a yeah. ballot in favor of somebody voting for Jimmy Rollins or something. <laughs> no, I I will say on that front, at the very least, this year a lot of those um, people who have dropped Todd Helton from their ballot have done it in order to keep someone else from falling off the ballot with the mm -hmm. intention of returning him to their ballot next year. Because Todd's in no danger of falling off the ballot, but some of these other guys um, that voters might want to stay on the ballot, uh, we saw one, I forget the name of the voter, but for Mark Baruli, um, um, he took Todd off his ballot to add him on just so he wouldn't fall off the voting ballot. And I think that's reasonable, especially with a lot of those big names falling off uh, falling off after this year. Now, of the names on the ballot, who does get in this year? I think David Ortiz might just squeak by. Mm -hmm. uh, but do those those big names that are connected to PEDs, do those guys get in? I, I think – go ahead, Sam. I was going to say I, I kind of want them to. Like I, I'm in this weird – so I probably have an unpopular opinion, but I'm like, you know – the thing with PEDs is, like, we all know that a lot of them were taking them. So, yes, Barry Bonds was taking PEDs, but so was Roger Clemens. Yep. And so if you're the yep. best hitter taking PEDs, hitting off the best pitcher taking PEDs, like, you're still the best of the PED guys, I guess. So, like, you you're took still... the most PEDs. Right, right. I mean, you're still the best hitting off the best. Um, it's just, it's like the best plus. Um, I guess. But anyway, but yeah, so I, I, I kind of want them to because I don't think that the PEDs should, be, I mean, yes, there should be like an asterisk, but it doesn't need to be a huge, like a huge to do. They're still the best of the best and they're, they're there for a reason. And so I don't know if they will because there are still so many people who are really hung up on it 
but I, it's going to be really interesting to see. But I, I hope, I hope they do. Yeah, what I want to say on on that front is that um, for Barry Bonds, I think it's a little bit of a different case, and maybe even Roger Clemens is that Barry Bonds was still probably a Hall of Fame player even before he started PEDs. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that is something that could necessarily be taken into consideration. Um, I don't think there's going to be a big class this year. I think David Ortiz does get in uh, on the subject of PEDs for Ortiz. Um, something to keep in mind for him as, as much as I don't like people using PEDs, Ortiz only was named one time in like 2003. It was never actually proven and he never got, you know, pinged again for potentially performance enhancing uh, drug usage. So I think that's something to keep in mind with him. Uh, whether you agree agree with me or not, you know, everybody's got their own opinion on that. But I think he gets in. Ortiz should squeak in on the Dunkin' Donuts commercials with Gronkowski alone. Like, that should be it. <laughs> that's hilarious. Watch them if you haven't. Oh, my God. They are Seriously, so hilarious. Like, watch so them. Anyway, sorry, funny. Evan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so I guess all eyes will be on the Hall of Fame voting results. That'll be, I think, in a couple weeks on MLB Network, whenever that is. Uh, you find better stories. I don't have it on me right now. Uh, but real quick, lockout's still happening. Uh, we had a meet. They had a meeting on Thursday. This is past week. Didn't go anywhere, obviously. Uh, but it's the pressure's still starting to mount between these two sides uh, as they try to figure out the core economics of the game. Uh, we're getting closer. About a month until pitchers and catchers need to report for spring training. Uh, we saw the Rockies just announce they scheduled two tentative games in Las, in Las Vegas, two spring training games against the Diamondbacks. Uh, so who knows if those will happen. But just really quick, we're getting down to the wire. Are we going to miss spring training games, anything? Yes. So Matt, I think yes. so. Probably, yep. I think it would earliest it would start would be like March first uh, for like everybody reporting. Yeah, that's a pretty good March first is a pretty good number. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think yeah, we're I think it's going to be down to the wire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I I just don't see it, man. Like it's been so contentious, and there's been so much bad blood and so much like uh, mudslinging. I wanted to say something else, but mudslinging. You know what I mean? Like with the players, obviously. Like even you know their likenesses and all that being what it is. Like, I just think it's so, it's still so hot, man. Like the, the there's, there's so much bad blood. Uh, I think March 1st is a good, I think March 1st, honestly, is like a good point. If we're being optimistic, man, I think we're really starting to get to the point where I'm, I'm starting to wonder if we might get some regular season games. I don't think we'll get that point just because that's so much money that's potentially being left on the table for no reason. But no, I don't think this gets solved anytime soon. Unfortunately. Big, unfortunately. I mean, on that note, then, if spring training, you know, pitchers and catchers report is pushed back to, say, March 1st instead of February 12th or 13th or whatever it usually is, like mid-February. So that's two to three weeks. Does that shorten spring training so that the regular season can still start on time? Or do they push everything back on the same timeline and just cut the season short or do something funky on the back end? Um, 
that's something to keep an eye on too. Does spring training mm-hmm. length length stay the same? Mm-hmm. My my hope is that both sides. Uh, this is kind of the position I've taken that neither side wants to lose games of the regular season uh, because that way you're losing money. Uh, that's really detrimental to the game already than what we've seen this this off season. Uh, so my hope would be they feel that urgency, like we owe it to the game that we got to compromise, and this is what's going to be best for the game of baseball. And we've talked about it before here on the podcast that the owners and Major League Baseball they've got to concede some things to the players. They are they can't have the game without the players, and the players also need to. No, also make those concessions that they need to so that we can have baseball because you're losing games, you're not playing games, you're not making money. Yep. And uh, everyone that I know is nobody likes to lose money. Yeah. So, And hopefully it's like no matter what side you fall on, and ho- hopefully you'd be more keen to side with the Players Association than the the owners. But either way, a lockout – and missing any baseball is bad for the sport and it's bad for the fans. So it's like, no matter who wins, if things go long and the season gets delayed or the season gets shortened, it's the fans that lose. And I think, I don't think anybody was expecting a lot of major progress to come from yesterday's meeting just because it was the first time that everybody was meeting up in the, um, in the new year since the lockout started. But the the Players Association does have some solid bargaining chips that they can rely on because the league really, really, really wants expanded playoffs. And uh, that's a good bargaining chip. Both sides do appear to want the universal designated hitter. And it sounds like, even though I absolutely hate it, the association would be willing to listen about advertisements on jerseys as a bargaining chip in negotiations. And that could be a whole separate podcast episode about how much Evan hates advertisements on uniforms. Uh, (laughs) I hate them a lot. Uh, And something I love are good pal Ryan Spielborg's former Rocky. Uh, I love he (laughs) tried to fix baseball in just three tweets uh, that he put on Twitter just today, here on Friday. It says, my counterproposal for MLB, I'm good with Universal DH. I'm good with 14-team playoff. I want players put on 40-man to start their service time clock. Uh, let's see. Zero to three-year players receive minimum bump to one million earnings, same in minor league if sent down. Arbitration remains, no draft pick comp. Uh, the competitive balance tax raises to $225 million with 3% increase each year. Draft lottery. Uh, for 10 teams, remove finite spending limit on draft or make it all even for all organizations. Picks can be traded, create subsidized pool from playoff revenue. Mm-hmm. For minor league baseball, funds are used for player benefits, including housing, food, and all that stuff. Uh, so did Ryan Spillworks just fix baseball in three tweets? <laughs> uh, Hashtag Spilly. Yes. True. Spilly, Spilly for go. commissioner. But, yeah, it, it's they got to figure it out and you know, find that good even middle ground. Uh, on both ends uh, so hopefully they'll figure it out we can all hope and pray and just fingers crossed mm-hmm. <laughs> that they figure this out so we don't miss any baseball games because I don't know about you but all of us I think we're missing baseball we want it back and so it's hard to see it hurting like this <laughs> anyways <laughs> I'm a, I miss baseball so much <laughs> uh, really quick here 
right before we close things out, touch on them really quick. A uh, couple of cool historic things in the world of baseball. Uh, the Yankees, for once, gets something good about them in the news that we can applaud. Uh, Rachel <laughs> Balkovic was named the first full-time female manager of affiliate baseball at the major or minor league level. She will be managing the Yankees' low-A affiliate, the Tampa Tarpons. It's awesome. Uh, super cool. She's been working in the organization. Uh, we've seen in the organization there's been quite a few female instructors, uh, assistant coaches, things like that. But this is the first full-time female manager of affiliated baseball. Let's all uh, buy tickets to Tampa. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> really cool. Um, and then also over in Australia, in the Australian Baseball League, there was 17-year-old Genevieve Beacom. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, the first female to pitch professionally in Australia, in the Australian Baseball League. Uh, on her debut, she had a clean clean inning. Uh, I think it was against the Adelaide Giants. Something awesome like that. Too. Uh, clean inning. Uh, really quick here. Uh, we won't go too in-depth of it because th- the three out of the four of us on this podcast are highly <laughs> unqualified to discuss this. But, Sam, I just really quick, your take on these these two things in, in the world of baseball. Yeah, well, I saw that Genevieve wants to come pitch in the U.S., so eyeballs emoji on that one. Yes, please. Um, and her brother, I think I read, pit, uh, plays somewhere in Washington um, at one of the universities in Washington. Um, which is also cool. But anyway, yeah, this is, this is amazing. Like 2021 really within the last three or four years has been, you know, the year of breaking glass ceilings, right? I mean, in baseball, we've had, you know, our very own Jenny Kavnar called play by play. There's Melanie Newman, who's doing a lot of like Mm -hmm. everything in Baltimore. Um, of course we have Kim, um, Kim Eng, I believe, um, with the, with the Marlins as the first female GM. And now we've got, Rachel and Genevieve and it's just like as a woman this is just it's so cool to see you know baseball for all and it's really becoming more you know there's more representation and what better way to inspire young female fans than to hire female GMs and coaches and managers and broadcasters and I mean it's like any other group you know when you see yourself on TV you can go, hey, mom, I'm going to do that. And your mom's like, doesn't laugh at you. <laughs> um, yeah. Saying from experience here. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's incredible to see this happening. And I really hope that, I mean, it's been said all over the place. Hopefully it's not as much of an anomaly or a historic event here soon. It's just the norm. Yeah. No, and it is, it's super cool to see you know, just the sport evolving more and more. Uh, in all different aspects of diversity and the different people. And I love some of the, as we heard out about these, these two hiring or Rachel's hiring or Genevieve playing over there is, you know, if, when it comes down to winning baseball games, it shouldn't matter, you know, what gender or what sex you are. It's just, can you win a baseball game? And that's the mindset we need to have Facts. for this. So hundred percent facts. <laughs> So it's really cool, and uh, hopefully in the future, uh, we'd love to see. Uh, stay tuned here, maybe on Purple Row one of these days, maybe a podcast with uh, the wonderful women that work here for Purple Row. They can go a little bit more in depth here. Is Evan Mac and I are highly unqualified <laughs> for that conversation? <laughs> no. Yeah, but that'd be cool it, if we can round everybody up. But it, it is really momentous things to be happening, and it's cool to see what's happening 
in the sport and seeing it evolve, you know. Even on the analytics side of things, uh, we talked earlier about the new analytics staff, is that there are a decent number of, you know, women mm -hmm. in that analytics team, which is nice to see because, like, the the sport needs to broaden out on, on all sides of things. We bring yeah. a unique perspective to everything. <laughs> Indeed they do. <laughs> well, they <laughs> always notice do, things yeah. that we don't. <laughs> and, and really quick, uh, before we wrap up here, John Lester retires. Good for him. Uh, and Melky Cabrera, the infamous Melky Cabrera, Ugh. who Ooh. broke up Kyle Freeland's <laughs> no-hitter at Coors Field in the ninth inning with one out with a little bloop single into left field. Everybody all retires. together now. Aww. Aww. Boo. <laughs> uh, but a couple of guys retiring, and who knows? We might see more of these retirements with the lockout ongoing and the uncertainty here with the future so it's kind of sad to see some of these guys like john lester who probably still had another year in him or so just kind of unceremoniously leaving now but that's the way the cookie crumbles i guess but that'll do it here for this edition of the purple row podcast affected by altitude uh thank you so much for joining us it covered a lot of topics uh but a lot of good discussion and mm -hmm. as always, we thank you all for listening in and joining us. Mac, where can the folks find you? What would you like to plug? Bet. So uh, you can find me at Twitter, at Cormac Battle Pro, which is at C-O-R-M-A-C Battle Pro. Talk to me about pro wrestling. Talk to me about Smash Bros, baseball, whatever. Uh, plugs. I got the My Guy series um, that I've been writing. We're going to have another one of those coming up here in the next few days. So keep an eye out for that. Okay. Evan, where can the folks find you? Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at, at Evan underscore Lang27. Uh, feel free to hit me up. I'd love to hear from you. You can also find us at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter account, which is at Altitude Effect. Uh, in terms of things I want to plug, I had an article go up for my Thursday rock pile uh, on the 13th here that I am really, really proud of. I had a ton of fun um, researching and writing about this. Um, in regards to the lockout of back in 1995, we almost had a season with replacement players and I did some digging and we have what the potential opening day lineup would have been with replacement players and a little bit about each one of those guys. Uh, I had a fabulous time, uh, tremendously, tremendously fun writing and researching this and I hope y'all check it out. Awesome. Yeah, it's always good looking back at the historical stuff. Uh, and a special thanks again to our editor-in-chief, Sam. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Where can the folks find you? What, what do you got for them? Yeah, thanks, Skylar. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Pleasure hanging out with y'all as always. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at SammyB underscore 27. So at S-A-M-M-I-E-B underscore 27. Um, content wise, I don't have a whole lot going on right now. Uh, like I said, semester just started and it's my, my capstone semester. So it's going to be a busy one for me, but I've got some good ideas once spring training starts up and I can start talking to players again. Um, I've got some really good ideas churning for that. So stay tuned. Yeah. Sam gets the, the good inside details that the rest of us can't sometimes. So always check out those articles, uh, from her. And as for me, uh, you can find me at, at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, 
I will also plug a project that somehow started up beginning of the year, follow every Rocky ever. Uh, I had been writing those articles about random Rockies, and that's expanded out into just doing a daily Twitter postings about random Rockies, uh, pretty much every Rocky in history. A lot of fun. Uh, there are some randos that have played for this team. Uh, some good, some bad, some just mediocre. But And then content-wise, uh, just weekly Sunday rock piles for me. Uh, nothing's coming to mind at the moment, but we'll always see what pops out. Uh, I will plug last Sunday, wrote about Jeff Francis being inducted into the British Columbia Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, he was inducted last year. Good little article, a runover of Jeff Francis's Colorado Rockies career. Uh, one of my favorite pitchers. So a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, that'll do it here. Again, thank you so much for joining us and listening in. We'll see you next time here on Affected by Altitude, and this time I'll let Mac hit the farewell. Oh, God, okay. Uh, farewell. <laughs> thank you. We'll see ya. Thanks, guys. <laughs>